Kiwi and Robert, do you guys want to start off by just explaining the bridge and how it came about? I know you guys did the first one with the Bitcoin ladies and your inspiration behind teleburning, what teleburning is, how your implementation works, the one that exists now, and then we can talk about the 1155 one. Awesome. GM, hopefully you can hear me. I just want to say it's currently 3.40 a.m. and I nearly slept through my alarm, which isn't great. Anyway, yeah, this whole discussion of moving NFTs from Ethereum to Bitcoin, like the main objective here is to get as many people using ordinals as possible, which I think is what we all want. But the sort of inspiration there was there was demand for it. I guess what Leonidas was talking about just before where you inscribe all of the inscriptions yourself and then you distribute them to everyone. That's a really, it's good, it works, and it has worked for a lot of collections, but it's really centralized. And there's one point of failure, which obviously is the collection owner. What some of this bridging tech does is removes that centralization in terms of distributing inscriptions and instead allows people to inscribe themselves. And when Bitcoin Milady's collection got in, in touch with us, we needed a unique way to allow people to initiate this bridge themselves and also potentially inscribe themselves, but also become a part of a verified collection in an automated way. Piecing all of those things together, the key was, as Trevor mentioned, putting that wallet address in the Ethereum burn. And the key difference that enables between that and Teleburn is you don't need to inscribe before you burn. So you start the bridge on Ethereum now, you end the bridge on Bitcoin, and you can do it in any order, and it gets picked up by marketplaces that are running indexes like ours, Ordinals Market. Moving on to what's coming up is this 1155 stuff and how we can really enable a whole bunch of users who have 1155s, I'm sure everybody has a couple floating around in their wallet, to take that sense of community and sense of belonging in a 1155 collection, move that to Bitcoin, but in a really cost-efficient way without sacrificing the digital asset component of it, which a lot of protocols actually do. We want everything to be on-chain ultimately, and we don't want to re reference Ethereum forever. This discussion that we're having and what we're figuring out is how do we avoid if Ethereum disappears one day, how do we make sure that we're able to verify that this collection is that set of inscriptions while also maintaining the ability to inscribe independently? I think that's a pretty good summary. Happy to chuck over. Yeah, totally. So what are some of the challenges with the Teleburn in terms of what do you have? Could you break it down a little bit just so kind of like explain them five, like what are we trying to do here? How are we doing it? And what are the challenges in developing a bridge like this? Yeah, I guess to give some context, first, we released this protocol, which is basically a set of instructions on how you might be able to achieve this. And then we implemented a bridge ourselves. There's now a page on Normal's Market where you can go and you can bridge any ERC721 and you can chuck it in, it lists your NFTs and does all of that. The way it's, the challenges it faces is in terms of indexing. We have to run a bit of software, which is scanning all these new inscriptions coming in. It's looking up data on Ethereum, and it's comparing all of that info to figure out this inscription must have come from a valid burn transaction. And that burn transaction says that this wallet 
is eligible to inscribe something. Once it makes that almost bi-directional link, it says that is a valid bridge and we are able to include that into a new collection. What that enables us to do is now we have a bunch of different 721s, different contracts, people who have come in with any 721 decided the bridge and without intervention, we were able to spin up a collection page which is verified that it only includes inscriptions which have corresponded to an Ethereum ban. So there is not only value in having a small file size and having that inscription display a high resolution image, which is somewhat controversial, but it's some of these, we're moving to on-chain, obviously, we're making changes there. But also there is value to these inscriptions and the fact that they've been verified from Ethereum. It's, you must have sacrificed the Ethereum NFT to do this. So it's a little bit more than just some of these collections, which can get front run or it's a race to inscribe and all of that is a little bit more nuanced to it and what they represent. So yeah, running an indexer is difficult. Building one is not too bad, but we're hoping to lower those barriers to entry for marketplaces to get that support and to make sure that these inscriptions are displayed or recognized or all of that in different wallets and marketplaces. And that will be less of an issue now thanks to these recursive inscriptions and the ability to have a very agreed on protocol for displaying content from other inscriptions. So I guess watch that space for developments and how we can make the most of this new tech. And I've never seen so many people excited over content security policy headers before. And that's a bit of a nerd joke, but there you go. Yeah, totally. So the way that Casey Rodemar originally described this type of Telebrum bridge was to burn an NFT with an immutable, which means something that you can't change, forwarding pointer to an inscription or ordinal. And so it's burning your NFT on Ethereum with a pointer, which means it's like a reference or saying, hey, this is what it is. This is the one that we're looking for that cannot be changed once it's burned. And with this model, you guys found a clever way to include the data directly in the burn transaction. The original one that Casey did, he had, I guess, some type of function or algorithm that would, once you inscribe it, it would take the inscription ID and then give you a burn address uh, to burn it. I think both are great solutions. I think though with Casey's, that function, which will convert it into from the ID into the burn address would be an additional step. And when we saw these teleburns, I posted the thread at the top just to walk people through it a little bit. It was like Casey originally did this kind of as a troll, but I think it's actually a logically sound and simple way to permanently move an asset from ETH or another chain to BTC. Him and Rob Hamilton shipped a prototype over a weekend. The first teleburn was Casey's own ENS address, which was rodamore.eth, another part of his troll here. And then Jason Williams, whose Twitter knows at going parabolic, burned his board ape number 1626 and he called it throwing a Lambo into a trash compactor. It's fun. And Decrypt covered it. There was a bunch of memes on Twitter of board ape holders tweeting out that they burned their, their board ape, but it was just like a fake board ape that they were pointing to, which was funny. After this, it actually, the founder of Google Labs and board ape yacht club, Gargamel, actually caught wind of it and he came out against it saying that board ape is now gone forever and that jason williams no longer has possession of it so it is important to realize that 
if you don't have the support of the collection or original kind of IP holder, grantor rather, that it may lose its value. I know Leo has some thoughts on this. It'd be interesting to hear about just from a provenance perspective about teleburning. But if the collection or the IP grantor is all for it, they can also put that in their terms and conditions and in their IP license to allow people to do it. And it's important to note a couple of things. One is that in both the solutions, the burning it, including the wallet address versus inscribing it and revealing a burn address that's calculated algorithmically from the inscription ID, that neither of these can be front run. So someone could try to do it front run you, but then first of all, it wouldn't matter because your burn address is going to be revealed in Casey's model by the inscription that you hold. So if someone tries to front you, they're going to have a, set, a different inscription ID. And then if you're doing it on Ethereum, you're burning it, it's going to reveal the wallet. So it's going to reveal your wallet. So no one can front run it. And then with the BRC721E, which I hope you guys change the name to like Teleburn721, I think it would be cooler. Essentially, you can also, in your guys' bridge and UI, you can not only put the IPFS link or the, the pointer, but you also allow users to inscribe the image directly as well at, at their choice. And so could you talk about how that works? How do you include both the image and the JSON in the same inscription? Yeah, there is a useful library called Image Magic, and it allows you to set data in like within a PNG. So it's like a setting a like a comment on the PNG or whatever format it is, and you can just write whatever you want in there. So you can potentially write JSON. And obviously, we're yet to f- fully implement this on the bridge, but it's one of our next steps. And yeah, it'll allow us to pull these images, extract that JSON, use it to verify whatever burn has taken place. And that way, it's a really important combination of having an on-chain asset there, as well as proof of burn. Obviously, the protocol is flexible. We're open to anyone can change it. Anyone can do whatever they want. But including that data within an image is really the best of both worlds there. That's awesome. No, I've heard that a bunch of times from different creators about putting the metadata inside the actual PNG. Does that work also work for JPEGs or is it unique to PNGs? I'm pretty sure any format, you, I'll have to fact check this one, but any format that Image Magic supports allows you to set a comment on there. There's also the option of taking apart the PNG or whatever, or JPEG. And finding gaps, like useless gaps within the data and then substituting your own data in there. That's a little bit more technically complex and a little bit harder to achieve, but it's feasible, I think. Yeah, awesome. I saw Far and Zach giving the thumbs up for you can do with any type of image. I really like that. I think that's a great way to put some metadata into an image, like traits and things like that. And then if you're inscribing it, it's immutable at that point. And so one of the big distinctions, I think, between... ERC-1155, the semi-fungible token standard in 721, is that with 1155, you only need to inscribe the image once because it's the same image for every item of that token. So that makes it a lot lower cost. In terms of the, the 721, could you apply the same? Could you still have the contract owner like set a deploy transaction that they are essentially allowing the other collectors to say, hey, this is the person who controls the contract on ETH by when they bridge over, also point to that person. And then you could have that person also later inscribe the state of everybody who's come across the bridge. So essentially what we're trying to do here is we are having 
the asset holders, we're having the contract owner first come across, then we're having, or at least make their mark in terms of, hey, this is my wallet. This is verifiably coming over from the indexer. Like the indexer is looking at Ethereum mainly and Bitcoin, and they're using the indexer to come over and they're saying this is the correct person. That's guiding the asset holders to say, hey, this is the creator. And then later the creator can also say, hey, these are the holders by either periodically or if everybody comes over the bridge, but it's unlikely that everybody's going to come over the bridge. So they could periodically say, hey, these are the official holders. And in that way, we have like reduced the need to have Ethereum as a dependency. We can have everything be essentially the meet the criteria of a digital artifact, which means that and if you look through this thread, I have the great article from Casey Rodimer where he defines a digital artifact. He says, imagine a physical artifact, a rare coin, say held for an untold years in the dark, secret clutch of a Viking horde, now dug from the earth by your grasping hands. It has an owner, you. As long as you keep it safe, nobody can take it from you. So no one can transfer from your wallet with, another, with a smart contract. It's complete. It has no missing parts. So this, talking about having no external dependencies, whether it be the image or the source of truth of who the burners are being on Ethereum, also having that record on Bitcoin means that it can be complete, at least for, I guess, all of the items where the the person that was elected, the creator, is pointing out that these are. If like he doesn't do it, he or she doesn't do it again later, then that would make some of them not qualify as digital artifacts. And then the other two conditions are, it can only be changed by you. So if you were a trader and you made your way to 18th century China, no one but you can stamp it with your chop mark. And finally, it can only be disposed of by you. By sale, trade, or gift is yours to make to whomever you wish. So make sure you guys read that article. It's a really fantastic inspiration and specific. Like It's written like a programmer would write. Here are the, here's the criteria for what is a digital artifact. Can you do this kind of process both for 721 and as we've outlined for 1155? And what's your personal take on it? For 721s, it's a little bit more tricky, obviously, because you can have like really large collections at high resolution. There are always going to have to be trade-offs made unless you have some approach like, I'm thinking like a sprite sheet where you batch and scribe or you, there are ways and Jan will be familiar with what OnChain Monkeys did with the sort of explorer thing. You can inscribe a bunch of images and pull in, view them one by one. So the idea would be that a potentially a 721 inscription would use this recursive stuff to reference that sprite sheet or reference uh, something there to correctly display the 721 entirely on chain. And with that combination of authenticity, which you suggested, Trevor, with the sort of creator telling, saying that this is my collection and then the holder saying that this is the creator and then linking that together, the combination of those things would allow for 721s to meet that criteria of a digital artifact. So there's a sprite sheet way, there's embedding data within an image way. There are a few things, a few options, and together it can really create a powerful tool. And I don't think we've quite unlocked it yet. 1155s, like you said, it works way better because of the fact that you only need one image there. Putting those pieces together, referencing that original image doing these sorts of checkpoints from the deployer to say that these are a part of my collection as a like fallback from ETH mechanism. I think all of that as a combined package works really well. 
my personal take on chain versus off chain data here is I really think that there are trade offs to be made in terms of image quality, in terms of getting people using a collection or minting a collection as quickly as possible at low fees. I think if you want to achieve that, then some sacrifice has to be made elsewhere. And the market has to determine. I see people making the sacrifice. I see people using external hosting, whether it's centralized or decentralized. Do I want that? Do I think that's appropriate? Maybe I do. Maybe I just want a reference to something. I'm not going to delve into a lot of the comments which people have said. If you're buying a collection on Ethereum, then ultimately you are just buying a reference to something at the end of the day. And maybe that is something that we want to avoid on with ordinals or on Bitcoin. But I think there is a middle ground and a lot of people have demonstrated clear appetite for it as well. That being said, that might be a subset of people. It may not be everyone. And it's up to you at the end of the day to vote with your decision making as to whether you think this is the right kind of thing and whether you want to advocate for marketplaces to display it in a particular way or not display it in a particular way. I think it's down to that sort of personal decision making and let the market decide whether a cost effective way of doing something is going to be the best way of doing something. Awesome. Thank you for that, Kiwi. Leo, I want to ask you, you're someone I love your takes on Providence. What are your thoughts overall on the bridge and digital artifacts and kind of everything we've discussed? So, yeah, I mean, there's two different topics here, basically. One is the, do I like that people are like buying links again? Personally, I don't really like that, but I also... I don't have a big enough of an ego to tell people what they can and can't do. So would I prefer that we all just like trade digital artifacts for the next hundred years? I think that would be cooler personally, but this is inevitable. I think Kiwi brings up some great points there. There's going to be a subset of people who just don't give a shit about something being on chain. And again, we're in price discovery for all of this. We'll know in a year, like the value of being on chain versus off chain. But yeah, basically if there's a segment of people, however big that market is, that are fine collecting like a link, then I think this is awesome that they get to collect a link on Bitcoin. And I think there is definitely some, it would be impossible to say that there's no market for that. Maybe it's a very small part of the market or maybe it's actually a larger part of the market. Time will tell. The only way we find out is through the experiments. I'm just personally, like as a collector, I personally kind of subscribe to Casey's vision from the Ordinal's handbook about digital artifacts. And he has eight bullet points of what a digital artifact is. And it just basically has to do with a bunch of properties of what he believes is like a superior NFT primitive. And that's just what I personally like collecting. So that's all my kind of point there is like, I'm going to collect the things that are fully on chain and not collect links. That said, I think it's totally cool if people like want to experiment with links and stuff. The only thing is, I just think it should be clear on marketplaces and explorers that like this is sourcing data from off chain, literally. That's basically my only request is just put a little tag over the top right corner of the image saying that's literally, otherwise I couldn't care less. I think it's a very neat experiment. And to be honest, I want to test this experiment because right now we haven't had a pure test of fully on chain because inscriptions happen to be fully on chain. We have seen a lot of people adopt with that, but it's also possible that I'm wrong and people are adopting inscriptions just because it's on bitcoin and maybe they didn't actually care about it being on chain my hunch is that they do care about it being on chain but i could be wrong and this is how we test this is how we separate out the 
NFTs on Bitcoin being the value proposition versus the fully on chain being the value proposition. And I think Robert Kiwi, you guys are like a very solid group of people that I think are going to give this a good shot.